This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Amber. And I'm Jessie. And this is Glowing in Tech. Powered by Makers. Don't forget to check out our website, Follow us on social media. And if you want to watch the 4K video, head over it, to our YouTube. It is exclusive on YouTube, so you can watch it on video. Also, our socials are at Glowing in Tech on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Lovely. So we are very lucky to have the wonderful Nelly join us today. Thank um, you. Nelly, how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. Uh, it's my first time being on a podcast, so I'm a bit nervous, but... Very lucky to have your <laughs> debut with us. We're exactly. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. No, we're yeah. excited to have you. I'm so, so excited. Um, so can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah. Uh, so I moved to the UK around seven years now uh, from Kenya. Originally in Kenya, grew up in Kenya. Um, so I moved here to start working at American Express, join their graduate scheme program, which you were there before. <laughs> and... I stayed there for around five years and up until late last year when I moved now to Microsoft where I am right now. Um, and I've been working there for now eight months. Yeah. Ooh. Congratulations on the new role. So what were you doing at Amex and what are you doing now at Microsoft? Um, when I was at American Express, I had very varied roles within the five years. So I started off before that. When I was in Kenya, I used to work in a bank and I was doing Android programming. Ooh. When I moved to um, American Express, I started off as a web developer mm -hmm. and it was more full stack. And it was more around helping, um, building a website to help customers refer other customers uh, to Amex products. Uh, thereafter, I moved to a different team to do more helping developer developers within the company so it was more developer focused role doing more open source work uh, so we're building a micro front end um, that was and is still running most of Amex website um, then after a while I decided I needed a change and move towards more DevOps focused role uh, and the reason why I did that is like I've really enjoyed helping developers become faster um, as they build products mm -hmm. Especially because I noticed that most people, most developers just like doing the programming. But if you don't fix like how you take it all the way to production, then um, it becomes like the product never reaches your customers. And I realized like I really enjoyed that segment of just speeding up the development process mm -hmm. and making it a great developer experience. So I decided to pivot away from um, doing more like programming type of work and I started looking into the first product I encountered was GitHub Actions um, mm -hmm. so I did a lot of that type of work building the pipelines around that and then later on in my role uh, was helping um, a team like this was my last role it was more infrastructure based more architectural role helping a team uh, improve their development practices both front end all the way to 
looking at the pipelines and how did they do that. And they were running on Azure at that time. And that's how Ooh, yep. <laughs> I got myself into uh, Microsoft. So it was kind of like a top, a pillar just kept on growing from there. Like I'll find something new, find it interesting and decide to venture into that field. Fantastic. So now it's the, my current role at Microsoft involves helping software vendors. We call them ISVs mm-hmm. um, and who sell through Azure and startups. Um make the Azure experience better. So main aim is usually to collect feedback from startups and software vendors um, because they're usually on the edge breaking mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. So most of the time they come to us with, we've really tried these different options, but there's something wrong that either the documentation or, and we capture that feedback. So some of it could involve adding a new feature or in creating new documentation um, or even looking at how they're doing the, current processes and we feed that back to the specific product teams um, and they work and they're the ones who now use that information to build products um, and improve that uh, product um, so it's been an exciting role it's, it's like a lot of change uh, considering I was used to being behind the scenes yeah. and now I'm more talking every day to customers that use our products Fantastic. It really sounds like you've done a lot. You've seen a lot of sides of technology, tried a few different roles. I'm really excited to talk to you about the open source stuff. But first of all, um, I want to do the industry insight in five. So I believe you're going to talk about cloud because that's your specialty for the moment right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you can give us like a five minute insight into what that is like as an industry. I I would say it's huge. Um, (laughs) I think when I was looking at Azure itself and the product it has, had it has over 200 different products. So I probably know maybe 2% of that. <laughs> <laughs> and not on an expert level, just like keep on growing. Yeah. And I think one of the things why I like, what I like about where I work right now is the fact that it's encouraged not to know things because it gives you now the opportunity to find out these are the areas that I don't know and this mm-hmm. is what I'm going to be working on. So I would say like, especially around cloud technologies, uh, Kubernetes, the container technology, that's a huge thing that, you know, it's helping especially software companies and startups as they scale and grow to be able to do that in such an efficient manner. Um, I think it's, it's a complicated technology. Even I am still learning about it. Um, And I feel like it's it's an area that will keep on growing because there's an ecosystem around uh, that particular area, and I feel like with the um, with new technologies like Chat GPT, which I, I'm sure everyone is now talking about it. I hope you guys have used it. I love it. <laughs> I actually love. Ch- I should be yeah. the ambassador. But yeah. I use it every day. Yeah, we actually won a hackathon using it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> congratulations! <laughs> yeah. So that like the software that powers that and enables that to run is the cloud technology, and I'm sure you've all seen like recently. It's usually it's um, getting into a level where it's like maximum then um, there's a maximum number of people that are using it. Mm -hmm. So you might not be able to use it. And that's why now you need to get more cloud to support that type of infrastructure. And the more it starts processing more complex stuff, like now with the introduction of it to Bing uh, and being used much more widely, I feel like it would enable the cloud to grow much. Um, The cloud technologies will continue growing faster to enable that. And as well as, you know, now, especially like you've mentioned, 
building something with it. I think that's the next step. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a great thing that we're talking about open source because something like OpenAI, which is available for anyone to start using, I feel like I'm not 100% sure. So maybe part of it you have to pay. That's a way that you can start contributing without really having to um, um, find pay for like a full-fledged, you know, access to it. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I'd love to know, like, how would you describe the cloud to someone who has no experience in technology, like is kind of looking into various different tech roles that they want to do? How would you describe the cloud and like the roles in that to them? Okay, that's a really good question. Um, I feel like I would start off by saying it's it's what's running everything that we now use in technology that's just from a basic level in terms of career options within this field um hmm, that's a really good point because my career has been quite interesting so i've never really looked at um if you're a beginner where do you start from actually Mm. i think cloud is one of the areas where there's so much resources in terms of certifications that you can get through um to um, I'll speak about Microsoft. I know there's an Azure um, fundamentals mm-hmm. certification that you can start doing right now. And the way it has been created, yes, you definitely need to know a little bit about technology, but it talks about the fundamentals. So I'd say those are like really great places to start. And then you can branch out because there's cloud engineering and then there's like the DevOps. And then within DevOps, there's CICD. So there's like the continuous integration, which is a different uh like that's for like daily development building the application and mm-hmm. then you have the deployment part which is the continuous deployments and all those there are different technologies in between each of them um so my uh, if i look at my career and give advice based on that i would say start off with something that you can start choosing right now so for example when i started off it was more like github actions mm-hmm. something i use daily and a way for me to learn. And then from there, I branched off to now understand better what are containers, how can I start choosing this? How can I make uh, my current work process better? But that's from a perspective of right now. Uh, but, but for beginners, I'll say the best way is to start doing research around cloud and try and do one of the certification. That's a really nice way. You don't have to do the exams, but you can just look at the training because all the cloud providers have some sort of like really um, big um, training uh, resources, especially mm. for beginners. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Yeah. I think that's such a helpful piece of advice because it can be overwhelming. Like you said, cloud is a lot of things. Yeah. So if you start Googling what is cloud and how do I get into it, there's like so many different pathways, right? So yeah. starting with the fundamentals is a great way to do it. And we'll have the resources that you recommended in the show notes as well. All right. Lovely. And also you've you've delved into so many different tech roles, <laughs> yeah. which is incredibly impressive. I don't think I know anyone who's done as, as many tech roles as you have, but there can be a tendency for us to put pressure on ourselves to know everything when we're in that role. But because you've been able to move so much, how would you advise those people about learning on the job? Because you must have learned the technologies while you're in it, right? Or yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm still learning on how to navigate that. And I feel sometimes it can, especially in certain roles, like for a long time, I feel like the industry has always been like, you can specialize and become really good at one thing. And then, you know, everyone knows you about 
for that particular thing. But my perspective has been different because I'm really like, I like trying out different things. Mm. And especially if you're in the front end world, it's very much, we know front end JavaScript frameworks, how many come out <laughs> all, the, all the time. So I would say that um, be, because of, um, because of the changing nature of technology, you have to be always open to learning something new. And I would say one of the key things that I've been learning recently and for the past couple of years is the art of learning, not just um, building that as a skill. It's in itself. I, I feel like a lot of people assume that it's something that, okay, there's all this new stuff and I don't know where to start from. And um, I think I'll share the one. I'll share a link. Um, there's this really nice article where someone talks about how how to learn. Really. Yeah, and it starts off by just acknowledging that you don't know something, mm. and I think it helps because you now you can just write down what you don't know, and from there it just reduces the amount of work you need to do because you can now really go down into the details. I want to learn how to write JavaScript unit test. You start from there, right? And then what do you know? You know JavaScript, right? Mm. So you also acknowledge that you know a lot as well. And then you just give yourself grace, do some research, find a community, find people who can mentor you. And I think for me that has been quite useful, especially finding mentors, people who are with already in the industry and they know how things work because they've learned a lot. Um, and also learning from others. And I find like learning from others can be like, you know, uh, working with other people working in projects and open source is a great way and um the other thing i would say is also teaching others i find it quite fulfilling yeah. and it reinforces what i'm learning so i'd say start off with finding out what you don't know and then by the time you finish teach someone and it um it makes it sticky Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it yeah. does. It does, especially yeah. when people ask you questions, and it can reaffirm <laughs> the fact that you actually know it. Yeah. Like I remember when I was teaching for Code First Girls, people would ask questions. I'm like, oh, I actually do know this. So it helped with like mm-hmm. me thinking, oh, like who am I to teach to? Oh wait, girl, she knows she knows some <laughs> of the things at least. Not all the things, but at least some of the things. Yeah, and you know, accomplishing something, even like I feel like you can say I want to learn Kubernetes, but it's such a huge, you know, ecosystem. Why not just start with something small like I want to understand what a container is. And then from there, that can be maybe take you two weeks to understand roughly. And then after two weeks, you've accomplished that. Yeah, It's a journey. And I feel like sometimes making it um, such a like a, I need to learn Kubernetes in one week. It's just mm. like yeah. those clickbait <laughs> titles have got to go. <laughs> like yeah. in 2023, <laughs> let's get rid of these kind of clickbait yeah. titles. Yeah. yeah. They've got to go. Yeah. Like one thing that I've been advised on, especially at the beginning of my career, was to actually use open source projects to practice and learn to new technologies. Can you walk us through like what open source is? Yeah. So I would say open source is sharing um anything and being able to allow others to use it, modify it, and um, be able to like contribute to it as well. Um, I think in recent times, especially, it's become important to define open source in a wider scale other than just sharing source code. Because I think initially when it, it's, I think when I was doing some research on it, it's been long, like more than 20 years since it, the word open source launched. 
And I think initially when it started off, it was more focused on source code itself. Mm. But now it's more focused around sharing anything. And the reason why I define it that way is also helps new people come into to mm. the industry. So I define it in various ways, um, in such a way that it's it can be like sharing something on Twitter or sharing, and someone else is able to share their comments, exchanging ideas, stack overflow. Um, what we know in technology pro, uh, most of the time is something using a tool like uh, GitHub and versioning it mm. so that you can see the history, you can uh, exchange ideas, you can build on top of others. And I think one more key thing I need to mention is licensing. Mm. Now it's become quite complex if you don't put a license in your, even your own personal projects. Uh, first of all, because of what we do within our companies, you need to check like your um, contracts. What does it say about software that you built? Especially if you now build it in your personal um, GitHub repo. Is, are there... You, you might need to license that to like let's say a famous license is like MIT um, so that's something else that's very important if you decide to come into soft, open source software and build your own thing um, that's where you would start from uh, th that's something important to think about it's no longer more like just put software there make sure it has a license so that it can be reused by others and people can feel comfortable modifying it it sounds like open source has been like a quite a big part of your journey and a big mm. part of how you've learned and grown as well yeah and I think something really important that you touched on is like we as a collective as a as an industry technology industry we need to make open source a little bit more accessible to the newbies um how do you think like what are your thoughts and feelings about how easy it is to get into open source because I know for me I've I'm struggling I've struggled mm. and it can be a little bit off-putting because it's quite intimidating like how do yeah. I start so mm. yeah really keen to hear about your thoughts on that yeah that's a really good point because I never knew about open source um I only found out about it through a program called Rails Girls Summer of Code I'm not sure if it's still running but it was a program run by um community within Rails and Ruby mm -hmm. um and they would this was while I was in Kenya so they would offer like a stipend and introduce you to a project and then get you a mentor within that project and get mm -hmm. you an issue that you can work on so that was the first time I started off and I started off with my friends so we were two of us it was kind of like a group yeah um and I feel like that was a really great way to get us into open source um, and there's still programs like that that are running. Um, one other program I got to after I finished that, because I got exposed to open source then, was Outreachy. Um, and that was when I did now like my first big open source contribution. Um, I was working on a project called MyForce, um, and they build financial tools, <coughs> excuse me, financial tools for, um, um, for like, um, oh, financial institutions in in countries where like let's say where I was in Kenya where like for institutions that cannot afford to like get a expensive financial software so it helps manage like let's say you'll have like a local women's group which are saving so they can use that software for free not paid for so through programs like outreach I was able to even find out about a project like that and start contributing to the the Android application and I feel like Programs like those really help because you have someone, a mentor within the project itself who's helping you contribute and start off initially. And you can reach out to them in uh, with questions. 
But that's not to say, like, let's say now, for example, if you're trying to uh, contribute to software and you're not using any of those programs, and as you mentioned, it's just it's very daunting task. And I would say it is because sometimes it needs, like, let's say if you're doing it on GitHub, it needs a, like, you need to understand how to use Git, right? Yeah. Um, but I feel like GitHub is doing a lot work of work around that to help, like with code spaces where you, you can't be able to edit without having yeah. any form of it's kind of like just accessing the code itself and um adding on to that um but um it's in terms of contributing in general even up to now unless you find a community that let's say has a code of conduct and you know someone i think it's much more easier to contribute that way and you feel welcome to ask any type of question like Mm -hmm. And that can be difficult. Um, so I usually feel like it's up to maintainers. And there's large communities right now that are forming around, you know, supporting maintainers to be able to create that. And also having organizations, open source organizations, that their work is to make sure there's standards around open source software. Mm-hmm. So it's welcoming. And one of the things is like ensuring that it's a welcoming community because uh, the way it works, I open source is that somebody contributes to it and eventually they become such an active contributor that they become a maintainer it's it's like a life cycle so if you don't welcome new people to the community first of all it's not being used and then there's no maintenance of the product and you know we're not they were not benefiting from it anymore and that's an important aspect of it there's so many questions Can can we cut yeah 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 Sorry, I feel like I sometimes I tangent off and I forget like the question. No, it's all gold. It's all <laughs> gold. It's, it's yeah. all gold. Okay. It's, it's talking about, the question was about how to contribute for the first time yeah. and getting into it. And you gave a lot of great answers, essentially okay. finding a community and mm. making sure that you've got support. Because I think that is something that's really important is mm. being yeah, exactly. able to ask questions. I think a lot mm. of the time um, when you're looking, just Googling open source projects I can com- I can contribute to, it's not always clear how you reach out to those people. So um, I know as well with um, Hacktoberfest last year was the first time they allowed non-code contributions mm, to count towards really? it. Yeah, so people could contribute by, um, you know, helping edit documentation, designing things. So it wasn't just for people that had coding experience. So things like that, um, I think, will make a big difference. Yeah, and it yeah, makes it a lot good. more welcoming. You know, yeah. sometimes even at hackathons, people are like, oh, I'm not a coder, so I can't go to a hackathon. But little things like saying, like, you can still contribute. Like, you don't have exactly. to be a coder to be able to build stuff or make a difference. And documentation is something that is normally at the bane of all developers' experience. Yeah. I work with back-end engineers <laughs> who don't like to document. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you mean front-end engineers who don't like to read the documentation? <laughs> Look, mate, when I send, the, I get the API. What's oh, what do I need to pass into it? <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Me and Jesse will always have our front-end versus back-end wars. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's a really good point. Like, I think there are a lot of projects that would be so grateful to have people be like, "I can help make this documentation clearer." Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's why some some projects nowadays, they always have like a contribution.md file, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is the first place I would say for anyone who wants to contribute should go there to see how they can start contributing. But as you, you've said, I think the fact that open source now is welcoming people to contribute other than source code, you can mm-hmm. do other forms of contribution like 
um, you know, creating a list and then sharing that. When you build your website, just put it out in public. If you're making like a fun project, put it out in public. Um, that's what I say. And that's the beginning of open source contribution. Um, you can share like cooking list and quite and even up to now, I think lists have become quite popular. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'm not interviewing right now, but when I'm <laughs> interviewing, <laughs> what I usually do is I do this thing where I search interview questions, GitHub, uh, or like Ooh. system design questions, GitHub. And you'll find like there's so much resources, people just putting out there like a list of questions you can ask for an interview, you can mm. ask in an interview, it can specific to an industry. And there's also like uh, projects that are called Awesome. And it's like a list of different types of things. So like you can find uh, an example is GitHub Actions, um, GitHub Actions, a list of awesome GitHub Actions. Wow. A list of awesome front-end projects. Or So you can also build your own and communities form around that because mm. they're just like a place where you can go to find a lot of information. So I think that's other elements that people don't think about when they think about open source that you can also do. Yeah. No, that sounds great. And this is a great way to also stand out in your applications. I don't know if this is a vicious rumor that I've heard, but I've heard <laughs> that people who are like are very active in open source communities can land roles through their contributions. Is that true? Is it false? Mythbuster. <laughs> I say it's true. And I feel like one of the reasons why I got my job at American Express was because of the open source mm. work I did initially. I think it helped expose myself and my profile out there. Um, and I would say even now it works, especially if you start contributing to a project, the maintainers see you as someone who is, you know, dedicated. And for you to dedicate more time, it might mean, you know, joining that group uh, um, so that's one way of getting um, a job. I have also seen in the industry, there's tendency to say uh, experience with open source work as one of the requirements, like in job really? applications. Okay. Um, but I am a bit like not 100% like supporting it. I see it from a perspective of learning how to work with others, um, you know, contributing back. It's a great thing. But also I there's so many factors as to why people can't contribute to open source. 100%. If your day-to-day work, like right now my day-to-day work allows me to contribute to work actually on open active open source projects or just open source is part of my work. So my contribution will show that I'm doing something on GitHub. But if you work, let's say you you have like your, like the, it's closed source, right? I, I used to work for a financial institution. A lot of the software is, you can't see what I'm doing every day. Um, mm. So there are people who are like that, like they probably don't have anything on GitHub, probably they don't want to share, but I don't think you should judge someone with that because there was a tendency around that. Um, They even saw a thing where someone had set up like an automation that would commit every single day. You can as well beat it. So, so if you decide, oh yeah, that's a metric that I want uh, someone to do. Someone just did that every single day. And I'm just like, okay, 365 days of open source contribution. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing I see at the end of like a calendar year is people sharing their contributions yeah. from the last year, right? But th- yeah. That, yeah. that is such a hack. <laughs> Let me know how to do that. And you're going to see all the green squares on my profile. <laughs> that's it. Because we don't have any green squares that anybody else can see because we're contributing to closed source software. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And at another organization, like they gave us an account that like, we couldn't use our personal yeah. GitHub accounts. Yeah. And so you would never see like the, the, like, the amount that I'm contributing. Mm -hmm. So that's a question I have for you is like, you were doing this in parallel to working full time at points. How did you balance that? How did you have the motivation to do it outside oh, yeah. of your And the time. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, when I moved here, I was doing actually active open source contribution then uh it was difficult because i had to get to do it after work I'd finish work and then start off with it um and i would say at that time was pre I, I didn't have a lot going on for me like after work so it was fine but now i don't know I, like over the weekends i just want to relax you know mm -hmm. <laughs> it's difficult mm -hmm. um and i i feel like that's that's where if you get into open source, I feel like it's just, you have to think beyond, you know, why are you contributing to this? Are you passionate about it? And I feel like that pushes you to contribute more. But I, I'm also a big advocate of, you know, um, taking the time to rest. So <laughs> that work-life balance. Work-life balance. That soft life. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, it's important. That's an an important aspect um and that's why i feel like if you can't contribute to open so there are other ways you can do it you know and that could be like github nowadays has a feature called sponsorship you can sponsor someone if you're using a software you can because yeah, there are there are a lot of the open source software people leave it because they there's like you know you have cost of living right now you can't be writing software for free, um, even if millions of people are consuming it. Unless like there's a way to sustain it, it mm. sometimes it's difficult. So a lot of companies do like, especially um, um, big companies who use it. Some mm -hmm. some of them will like pay the pro give money to the project to make it sustainable. Um, but it's 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 difficult sometimes using open source workers like full-time role. What I've seen happening in the industry is that a lot of times the open source has two models. They'll have the model where it's anyone can use that software. And then they'll have this model where it's like, cause you'll find some projects have like 400 issues. Mm. So if you're a big company and you want your issue to be solved faster, they have now like the paid of, like you pay the maintainers. Mm -hmm. Oh. Okay, uh, yeah. we're talking money now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it because if you have those big companies using this free software, it's kind of exploitative if you're not contributing back in some way. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I like think that. That's the important part. If you are using open source, and in a way, it's you're going to generate money with it. Mm -hmm. um, it's always good to look back and go back and contribute to open source software, and that could also be just paying, and that's being part of the ecosystem itself. Yeah. So that's another way of thinking of it, about it. So open source was at the beginning of your journey and it was the whole reason, well, one of the, one of the reasons why you landed a job at Amex. Mm. What was that transition like? So when you got that offer saying, okay, we're going to move you to what, Burgess Hill? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was running through your mind and what the, was that transition like? Um, I think when I got the, initially when, um, so this, someone who was working at Amex at that time reached out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, this was 2015. First of all, I thought, oh my God, this is a hacker. What are they 
Um, and I think until when I talked to the um, in person who runs the graduate scheme program, that's when I realized it was like a there was a process that was happening. So I did the interview, got accepted. But then you have like because I'm moving to a different country, there's a work permit process that happens. So that took maybe roughly four months mm-hmm. to go through that. Um, and during that process, I wasn't. Um, I I never it never really occurred to me the change that I was making. I think I was so excited. You know, yeah. Like, Hi life. I just I actually grew up in like a small farm in a village in Kenya. Mm-hmm. So the transition in my life and in my career was was just uh, huge, right? Um so I I think I was just very excited. I didn't think twice about the um the opportunity, didn't think about like what the impact would be. So I moved here in January, which is winter. Oh my God, that <laughs> must in- have been a shock. <laughs> I'm trying to get out of here in January. I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and in Kenya that time it was summer. So it was just it's a huge change. Yeah, right? um, straight away. Yeah. And I think once I got here, um, I found another black woman who was also joining, Maureen. Shout out to Maureen. Shout out to Maureen. <laughs> oh, You're you a legend. <laughs> she had lived in this country for a while. She has family here. So she was able to help me settle in. Uh, But beyond that, it was, I would say it was difficult. Mm. You know, the, I think everything was just new. Even just the transport system itself used to stress me out. Um, Using Google Maps, like it was just like the speaking. um, I think the way I pronounce things in, in, with my Kenya English accent was different from how people so I'd had to I would have to like let's say meetings at work I'd have to um, repeat some words twice Mm. and I felt that very um wasn't it struck my confidence because I was like oh maybe someone doesn't hear then I'll just keep quiet Mm. um and even beyond that you know being in a place where I didn't have family here I was making friends uh but I grew up in a very um Everyone around me was very, was black. Yeah. Yeah. I was just not used to a completely new culture um, and being so different from everyone else. My education, I didn't study in this country. So it was just very, very new and so, uh, so scary. Um, I was excited about the job though. And I'm glad that I had the open source work I was working on. Because it really centered me in terms of understanding why and what I'm doing. Um, and also the fact that I was also learning at my job at that time. And I got a really amazing boss called Alex. Shout out to Alex. Yeah. Shout out to you. <laughs> and I think having those and the community that I was able to start building there, Maureen, Derek, it was just like a really nice way of me to settle in. I'd say like there were times when even two years later, I would just be crying, just, you know, mm-hmm. missing my family because mm-hmm. now people are moving on with their life, you know, uh, in Kenya and I'm here. And sometimes things would just get really like difficult with work, with, you know, just day to day leaving. Mm-hmm. But you don't have that like community that I grew up with. Yeah. The yeah. comfort of family. Yeah. And the, yeah. 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 And also work was just like, you know, I used to be an Android engineer and I really loved it. Mm-hmm. And then now to transition into a role, there was no opportunity at that point to continue with the Android 
engineering work it was more the open source work was doing that for me i i feel like i was put in a place where i did not like doing web work web development full stack but then i think i just i i needed to i didn't want work to be like unstable for me so i decided let me just take this as an opportunity to learn something new and even if it means learning how to integrate around me so i felt like work was no longer like a thing that i used to um i'd just go to work and then come back mm-hmm. cuz i just needed i wanted to find something stable settle settling as an individual within the uk and then i can now look at what am i doing at work which eventually worked out cuz i was able to take that time to figure out what uh, i wanted to do and if you ask a lot of people from back then when they met me i was used to be very quiet very yeah. naive like i was just like a really <laughs> quiet girl and i think after a while and taking my time my confidence started to build up and it, it took a lot of you know being able to build a confidence in myself mm. and finding communities that's why like resource groups are well, affinity groups like the we had like women in tech uh, amex those were like my communities mm. where i'd be able to meet people talk to them you know and i i found those to be such a solid way to get to integrate in, in a community and i feel like if you ask me the question would you want to do that again i'd say yes because i think i grew as an individual in a way that i cannot describe mm. and i always always recommend to anyone change like take yourself out from the environment of comfort the way you will grow will compete completely scare you which is a great thing and i think resiliency is so important and something mm. that i built during that period of time and i'm so proud of myself for doing that uh because eventually i got to a stage where i won an award for the work that i was doing yes <laughs> at FDM, yeah. yeah and if i compare myself from when i joined and even getting to that stage it was a lot of like being able to build myself step by step and using a lot of the community the people around me uh and the community even outside amex like coding black females mm-hmm. i knew about it when i used to live in um. bajasel and i used to come all the way uh to london oh, <laughs> there were days where it was impossible to make it because of the long journey but th- those were like really great places to meet people and a community to find people who are similar to you mm. who've gone through the same life experiences and when you see people do that and succeed it's just like you know it encourages you um yeah no, that's so that's inspiring really nice. <laughs> and i don't think amber i think that you needed one more sign to jump on that flight and move <laughs> that's your sign i'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, no no but i did want to say before we go to part 2 was um i wanted to ask about so you said that you were quite shy and when i was at amex nelly had a reputation and an extremely <laughs> extremely good reputation i remember i told my manager that i reached out to nelly to be my mentor and she was like oh wow she's a very good person to know oh wow so you built up this incredible reputa- reputation did you find it challenging to advocate for yourself how do you feel like you built such an impressive strong internal brand considering that you weren't necessarily feeling that mm. confident in yourself at the time or did that happen over the span of your career 
I think it's um, that's a really good question because I haven't thought about it. But now that I think about it, it's more like slowly by slowly, small steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it would be just being in the team and then building this feature in the in the in the team, um, and you know, getting recognition from that. And I feel like those are like stepping stones. Um, if you look at some of the advice around building your confidence they usually say like it starts with you know small things sometimes it can just be making a bed in the morning and then now you know you've done something you've ticked a box so i feel like i started off with that doing small things um and i'd also give myself like um i don't know the right word to use maybe uh, like stream goals like i'd say i want to be able to speak in a conference mm. I love that. then i walk backwards how did do i get there yeah um so i would do stuff like that and then um finding communities and working with people so let, let's say like a lot of the things i used to do i always did them with maureen um <laughs> shout <laughs> out to maureen again yeah so i'd they find like a community so even if i'm not good at something she'll compliment me mm. uh and you know and that is like you know it it builds up and helps you uh grow yourself but also as well as advocating actively for yourself mm. i do remember there was a time we our team was building a product we're moving to actually react from angular js and um there's this work that we needed to do as part of the back back in java work and my boss at that time was like oh yeah we're just waiting for the senior engineer and a different team to finish off the work and start doing it you know what i did <laughs> i started working on it <laughs> <laughs> the senior engineer never left their team and i i did that i feel like it's not like my boss didn't uh, it, I think my boss didn't just didn't think that I I I could do it. Mm-hmm. Not that he it was like a negative thing. I don't think he had seen me do it. Yeah. And I feel like by putting myself there and you know doing it, that's how I was able to prove to myself and also other people could see. Um. And I, also another thing was I'm not sure if you guys know about the Grace Hopper conference. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I submitted my talk there. No one told me, Nelly, go submit your talk. I just was like, I have this talk I've been working on and I'm really passionate about it. Let me submit it. And that's how I got into it. So I feel like some of these things, you have to go out and do some research and also push yourself, mm-hmm. you know, get there and then you get support as well. Ask people questions, find mentors. Don't be scared. The worst thing someone can say is no, but... I feel like that those are the ways that I've been able to 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 put myself out there. And when whenever I feel like, oh my god, this is so scary, I know I'm in a good place because I'm learning something new. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. We're gonna have to wrap now. Yeah, that's a great place to end. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nelly. Um, Thank you. Stay tuned for part two, where we're going to be speaking to Nelly about her biggest career challenges, and then Amber's favorite section. <laughs> What's the taxi? <laughs> Thanks so much. See you next week. Available on all major podcast platforms. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.